Germany would tend to like lowbrow, physical, bawdy comedy. But maybe that's just everywhere now. <laughs> Welcome to The Cutdown, a podcast all about the art of trailer editing. This is episode number nine. I'm Derek Liu. And I'm Rick Thomas. And today we're going to talk about the trailers for Gemini Man, because there are two new trailers that came out, both for the US and internationally. And we're going to talk a little bit more generally about international trailers, because Rick has a lot of experience uh, making those. Yeah, it happens a lot for us who see every trailer that comes out online. A domestic will come out at the same time as international, and... It's kind of hard to work out in that position why it's been released. You know, on the surface, they don't necessarily seem different. They've got the same clips, they've got the same bits, often they've got the same music. What is this international trailer? And so that's something we'll be diving into today. Yeah, usually whenever this happens, the internet reacts by just comparing the minute differences. Like, for example, the Spider-Man Far From Home, they changed what? Oh, yeah, no. So uh, domestically, Spider-Man is a dickwad. What is it with you and Spider-Man? What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sup, dickwad? Uh, and internationally, he's a loser. What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sub loser. Which is weird, and I don't know whether that's a swearing thing or a, a certification thing, or that just dickwad isn't necessarily a, uh, an insult that goes down well internationally. But yeah, no, you will find those weird little discrepancies. Another kind of interesting domestic international comparison came out with uh, there was a last international trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out after the film had been released domestically. And that goes into a hell of a lot more story than the domestic one did. What did Charlie say? He said, kill everybody. What's the plan? Let's get him. There's an element of true combat. If you don't beat him, he kills you. And Rick Dalton's got a shotgun. And I wonder if that's an instance of, for the international trailer, they needed more story. Whereas, you know, for domestic, you've got these kind of style pieces. It's the 60s, it's Tarantino, that's enough. And I wonder if internationally... Maybe Tarantino doesn't hold as much sway over the international audience. No, I think he still has cachet, but maybe, you know, people were just kind of saying, all right, we need a bit more, we need a bit more story or action or the idea that these guys are going to do something as opposed to just kind of living their 60s lives. So that's an interesting one to, to look back on as well. Yeah, so let's get on to Gemini Man. Let's start with the domestic trailer. When I saw him, it was like I was seeing a ghost. every trigger I've ever pulled. This is Trader 2, and in a way it kind of feels like a Trader 2 because the teaser trailer got to the reveal of Will Smith's younger clone. I think I know why he's as good as you. He is you. And this feels like they kind of launch into it straight away and then deal with, all right, this is the thing, and now what else is there? What other kind of conspiracies? What other things? What's actually going to be the repercussions of this, like, inciting incident? Because what if somebody actually knew what we really are? Yeah, it feels pretty much like a, a trailer sequel, basically, because it's framed around, or at least it seems like it's framed around this one conversation where they're just confronting each other for the first time. Um, the thing that I noticed about this trailer is the way the order of the events happen, it seems like the young Will Smith is made out to be more of a villain in this. At least that's the, the feeling that I got, because... 
in the beginning, I didn't know if old Will Smith can be trusted. And, you know, he's saying he's trying to, to help young Will Smith and save him. But then by the end of the, or the middle and the end of the trailer, you see that young Will Smith is still going after him and trying to kill him. They have the, the shot where he shoots the, the grenade and he's chasing after him. To me, it just made him look more villainous, even though they have some the scene with him and Clive Owen where he's crying and struggling with the whole thing. Um, that's the general impression that I got he was kind of more badass to me. Yeah, that's interesting from a story point because that's different from the international trade that starts with kind of someone trying to kill old Will Smith, right? Henry, has this ever happened to you before? Which part? Your own government trying to kill you. Nah, that's new. I think the international one makes old Will Smith definitely the more sympathetic character. Actually... It's kind of sympathetic to both of them because that grenade scene that I mentioned happens in the beginning of the international trailer. But then by the end, he's crying and you're like, oh, he feels bad about this and he's all conflicted. So I'd say the arc of his emotional, his emotional arc is more like I was a killer, but now I'm having conflicting feelings, which is kind of reversed in the US one. That's how it felt to me. Oh, that's interesting. So the domestic is more giving him a story as well, whereas international, it's more like he's a cold, hard killer coming after older him. Yeah, and then trying to reconcile what's going on with that after being this, maybe not evil, but just the antagonist to, to, to old Will Smith. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the clone reveal in the international trader is halfway down the trader, so you get a lot more of older Will Smith. Yeah, that's something I wondered about because... So I was checking if there was a different teaser for uh, internationally, and all I could find was the same exact teaser that was released in the U.S., except the end slate was different because, you know, they don't have the MPA over there. Um, so I was wondering if they have the clone reveal so late in this new trailer because they didn't have the earlier one. But that wouldn't even make sense because the Internet, so... It's not like the international market is in the dark when the if there's not a specific teaser. I, I think it's probably rarer that you would have different teaser trailers because teaser traders getting the concept over. It's it's probably more universal in its messaging. Here's Will Smith and, and young Will Smith get excited, probably shorter as well. Whereas when you get to trailer two, the kind of differences of what would appeal to certain markets is is kind of coming out. They'll be testing these. So they might have run a couple of trailers and they'll try them in different audiences. And maybe the, what ended up being the domestic trailer kind of appealed more to domestic audiences because maybe as simple as getting that clone character out first to kind of say, OK, there's more to this film. Um, and internationally, people needed more grounding in the Will Smith character. You know, it could be as simple as, as that. And they tested the numbers were higher internationally. And so that's why they made that trailer. But that's at the point where you're going into more story. But other than the the editing of the story, there wasn't anything that stood out to me as explicitly, oh, this is clearly why they did this for the international trailer. I mean, you probably have better eyes for that than me because you actually did a lot of work in there. The only other thing I noticed was the graphics are different, which the international one, it looks like they would be easier to localize than the domestic ones because they're kind of simpler. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um that totally is something that would happen in international markets because yes by the time you get to 500 territories that you're going to turn your, your graphics into you're not going to want big 3d in situ graphics because that's going to be expensive to reproduce them maybe some territories that are unable to do that so yes the simpler the better 
and also the inter- the U.S. trailer, rather, the logo very much relies on it being in English because it uses the negative space for the eyes in Gemini, which, you know, that wouldn't work with every single language. That's interesting. You actually have less cards as well because the copy is what, who will save you from yourself? And I think in the domestic trailer, that's who will, which should really be which will, <laughs> but um, who will save you from yourself, whereas internationally it's who will save you from yourself so so it's less cards as well that they have to <laughs> localize uh yeah i think i think to be honest it probably is just that slight difference in story there that um that appeals to different territories you've also got different music you've got the the jaden smith kind of trailerized remix on the domestic and i'm pretty sure that the international is a different cue yeah i think it i think it might not have had vocals in it it still has that hip-hop vibe but it sounded a little bit more generic than the the US one because I don't remember hearing lyrics yeah I wonder I mean that could be a rights thing or it could be that Jaden Smith isn't that big internationally or it could like you say it could be about cramming more dialogue in there and not having the round of lyrics because lyrics don't translate oh that's a good point was there anything else in in the international version that stuck out to your eyes as someone with all the experience no no really and that's in a way the confusion that we're having as people who look at spend a lot of time looking at trailers as to kind of what is the difference between the trailer and, and the international trailer kind of sums up like i said earlier like people's perceptions of international trailers when we're looking at them online and the simple fact there i think is basically these trailers aren't meant for us who watch every trailer and watch them online that international trailer is meant for people in theaters and different territories where that particular approach has tested better um and for the people who just go to the theater and see that and go all right it's cool it's will smith and young will smith i'll i'll go see that yeah so i mean i haven't worked in movie trailers in a long time but the things that i know about the differences between international trailers most of it had to do with how the mpa is an american organization so uh, their rules don't apply internationally. So the things that I remember from when I was an assistant were uh, things like um, you could shoot guns into the screen, but you couldn't have that on the U.S. trailers. So, for example, if you watch the International Matrix trailers, they use all those shots shooting the guns straight into the screen. But after the first one, at least, uh, they couldn't do that anymore, which that happened pretty much post-Columbine, as far as I know. And the other thing were also gun related, which I remember was the international Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There's one shot where Indy's being held at gunpoint with his friend. And in the US version, the Nazis have their guns down. But in the film and the international version, they're held up, which, you know, makes more sense. Oh, that's interesting. It's weirdly, I've kind of done the converse because I remember working on Miami Vice and we had some TV spots that ended with a gun to screen and maybe it was okay for some markets but then definitely for the uk you couldn't have that so it had to be like it's okay to punch towards the screen but you can't shoot towards the screen that is a big part of this whole conversation it's um international and cultural sensitivities you know international training marketing kind of became a a thing post titanic where titanic in 97 was the first year where uh, international box office eclipsed domestic for the first time oh that's interesting 
I think that was the point and then maybe it was around 50-50 and nowadays it's like 70-30 or 80-20 to the point where, where international has completely eclipsed domestic. And so the studios kind of took note of that and said, all right, maybe, you know, a kind of one, one-stop one campaign isn't going to be enough globally. What can we do to kind of appeal to those markets? And maybe we need to be doing something different. The first time I ever heard Rick talk about this was he actually did an appearance at the LA Creative Pro user group talking about international trailers, which if you just look at Rick Thomas on YouTube, I think you'll find it. But uh, we still wanted to talk a little bit uh, about this on the podcast, just because I find it really interesting. Just something that you wouldn't really think about even if you look at the the two not knowing necessarily what the why something was changed something that you said before that i thought was interesting was how internationally they're going to favor it was either favor dialogue or favor copy which was it so there's various considerations when it comes to language actually in um, international trailers and one of which is if you're going to do copy it's probably better to have voiceover because the thing about copy cards is like we were saying earlier you have to translate those and you have to make those graphically and the problem with that is kind of twofold one is that the sense of your copy your beautifully written couplets who will save you from yourself (laughs) may not translate especially if you're doing puns uh, my favorite example of this is uh, central intelligence um which oh the the rock and what kevin hart yeah so the copy in central intelligence is i think saving the world will take a big johnson and a little heart right right which is just amazing but doesn't necessarily translate so i know that i uh, i know that on the spanish trailer it's just something as simple as saving the world um, can't be done alone or something like that because they just completely abandoned that concept at some point. So yeah, language is an interesting thing. So yeah, you use voiceover. Um, and also there's a thing where in theory, these international trailers should be cut a lot slower because you have to translate them. Right. And um, whether you're using dialogue and voiceover or subtitles, you have to bear in mind that it's going to take longer or potentially even shorter to say things in different languages. Have you ever heard of an example of a copy or voiceover run which there was an opportunity to make a pun or something clever in a different language that there wasn't in English uh, that, would, that would probably require a native speaker or someone to be working on the campaign but that's the idea of that is is amusing to me yeah I mean there's definitely I, I remember back in um it's not trailers but um in Harry Potter the uh I am Lord Voldemort Tom Marvolo riddle anagram caused people around the world headaches when they had to kind of work out all right we have to have two different kind of scent we have to have a name and then we have to kind of have a reveal of this character within this and has to be an anagram um and i think similar things happen in trailers they probably get that all right this is a pun or you know a concept that's kind of relating this what can we do to kind of translate that that will will carry the sense on and also kind of work within the idioms of what we do it's also a reason that um Oftentimes jokes don't work. You know, if you have a really talky, dialogue-heavy joke, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily going to translate if that has references that people don't get. Um, the example I always use in terms of references is in the, uh, is it Captain America Civil War trailer where Spider-Man turns up at the end? Uh, yeah, I think so. So they're at the, yeah, it's the one with the big airport fight. Right, right. Um, and uh, I think kind of as the button, Tony Stark yells, Underoos! And uh, and Spider-Man turns up. Underoos! Hey, everyone. And 
I totally didn't get that reference. I didn't know what it meant. I thought, you know, under ruse, like, is he saying on the roof? <laughs> I didn't even know because I think he bounces on it and he is on the roof of a car at some point. And I totally didn't get it. And then I kind of, after watching it a few times, I realized it was under ruse and then I had to Google it. <laughs> so, you know, you can't always assume that people are going to get that kind of reference. Whereas the converse of that is, of course, physical humor and action to an extent is kind of global and universal. Everyone loves a fart joke or something like that. And also, in case we have people who don't know what underoos are, it's uh, underwear. Just a slang, or I don't even know the etymology of that. Just you know, under, underwear, underoos. I don't know what the roo part would come from, even. So it doesn't make sense even now. Yeah. <laughs> but who can, argue with, um, who can argue with Tony Stark? That reminds me of an article I read about how Adam Sandler's Netflix movies do fantastic fantastic business rather because they're all very lowbrow and like fart jokes which is international and works without translation i'm sure there is translation on all the netflix versions but it's just that much more universal so even if it's pretty much ignored as far as i can tell in the u.s just internationally it's like yep adam sandler's doing just fine yeah, you get kind of cliches with countries as well. So, um, so for example, in Germany, I know because I worked when I worked on um, international traders and TV spots and campaigns for comedies. Germany would tend to like lowbrow, physical, bawdy comedy, um, but maybe that's just everywhere now. <laughs> I know that kind of applies to. Um, comedy and animation as well you know you take something like the lego movie for example it's from the guys the 21 jump street guys so it's very witty and there are lots of kind of dialogue jokes but i think when internationally when you're selling something like that you probably want to hinge more on like physical accents and action and comedy right after i saw your talk i was curious about the video game trailers internationally and as far as i could tell it's really not a thing in the same way as movies which where there's like a customized version so for example i just went to the ubisoft uh youtube channels for all the different countries to find like one trailer and see what they did and it was just exactly the same except uh they changed the the voiceover to be in the local language in video game trailers when they have a cg thing you never see almost never see people actually speaking in those trailers it's always voiceover at the very least which um, I'm sure one consideration could be the international market so then that you don't have to worry about lip sync. Actually, that's an interesting thing. When they dub video games for cutscenes and things like that, do you think they change the lip sync for the translations? Like they re-motion capture as they're recording the voiceover or do you think it's like bad dubbing? I don't know exactly, but I think it could depend on the game because I know that in some cases there's some sort of like computer uh, auto-generation sort of thing going on with lip sync i don't think it's done manually in all cases it probably especially if there's a lot of dialogue probably not done that that way at all i've never really compared between say like you know the english voiceover for like a final fantasy game versus the the japanese but if it's something that's pre-rendered then yeah it's just going to be the same thing for everything and then for gameplay you that would require basically uh it could require potentially refilming or recapturing the whole trailer or whole sections of it, which would be, be pretty uh, time laborious, to say the least. So, yeah, for games, it seems like they don't really do anything except change the voiceover. In a way, I think that's kind of probably illustrative of, of where these things are going, because the world is getting smaller. Um, 
and maybe kind of global campaigns you know we're looking at gemini man and actually it's just kind of breeding a bit of confusion online potentially having these two traders out as opposed to having this big kind of thing and saying you know one trader and a kind of consistent bit of marketing but um yeah the world is getting smaller and maybe one piece and one coherent campaign does work better but maybe that's for kind of big main traders because the thing about video games is you don't have probably as many pieces and tv spots as theatrical films whereas you know films will have yes you may only have one or two traders but then you've got digital pieces which can definitely be targeted to individual countries and sensibilities and local artists and you know there are film marketing companies in every country around the world creating local content to hit local celebrities and local supermarkets and uh, local talent and if the same guy you know for Top Gun Maverick they've probably got the guy who's voiced Tom Cruise for 30 years uh, he'll probably go out and do radio interviews and things like that and and there's probably just more kind of PR that goes into films although actually no video games would have kind of targeted localized content but that might be more kind of press events and yeah I think video games are still very different they haven't learned to like saturate the market with uh, TV spots and digital spots the same way that movies have, at least that I've seen. Because also I've worked at um, some places in Los Angeles doing game trailers. And yeah, it's just like, you know, the trailers for E3 and the big events, uh, and then some for probably like Instagram and Snapchat, that sort of thing. But there was never anything to the same degree as when I worked at a movie trailer place. And they would have all the testing and uh, just have all the very, very different varieties of of spots. Do you have to do any localization for for your video game traders in terms of... Um... I've had to do very little, uh, fortunately. Um, the one time that I had to do a ton was for this game called Wheels of Aurelia, which it's an Italian game. It released on the iTunes store and... It was right when the iTunes store changed so you can have three app previews instead of one. And they wanted to have, it was either six or seven different localizations of this game. And it is a very dialogue-focused game, which basically in those app previews, I recreated all the word bubbles in After Effects. So I had like this big Excel sheet with all the translations for all three app previews. And there was copy on top of that. And it was it was so many versions because... You know, it was like seven languages times three versions of the app preview times two resolutions because of iPhone and iPad. So that was that was a really, really big job. Yeah, there, there are entire companies set up to do this kind of localization for, for film content and probably, you know, films themselves because it's uh, it's a big job. The world is a big place. But um, most of the time, the only thing I have to worry about are different end slates and legal lines for like the different Nintendo stores or having to translate like available now into Japanese or uh, put hard subtitles on Japanese versions of trailers. It doesn't come up too often. uh, Knock on wood. (laughs) One of my favorite things in working in uh, international traders was whenever we'd get the, the Japanese content back and the Japanese guys reading the you uh, reading the English titles in English, but in the Japanese way was just amazing, especially for these big kind of action franchises. There's another thing about uh, Japan with international traders as well is that um, prior to China becoming such a kind of big influencer in terms of film financing and, and is probably, you know, the world's biggest emerging market for films, um, if not 
already kind of eclipsing domestic maybe uh but before uh before that japan was a really big market for films and they would always have their own kind of trailers and everything would be kind of sold as a dramatic romance even if it even if it wasn't <laughs> that's really interesting you would have to have the most kind of epic music and really focus on the really focus on the drama of everything because um i don't know if that's still if that still stands today but definitely kind of five to ten years ago that was that was what you had to do so yeah working in the uk we would work for the international outposts of the domestic studios and we would have to create content to target different things so i cut south korean tv spots or latin america tv spots or uh germany as we mentioned before russia wants like everything to be super violent and um actiony not just in their tv spots also in their kind of politics so did you have like advisors within that company or is it like the clients for each country like how would you know to be aware of certain sensitivities yeah, everyone would gradually kind of become experts on it. So the more you worked on it yourself, you would kind of learn cultural sensitivities and the clients are super tuned into it. And the clients have representatives and officers in every country as well who would be feeding back to them. So yeah, you start to know what works for different territories. Um, and then also there's a the thing for international marketing as well is sometimes the job is to kind of make things less American. So you take a film like Pitch Perfect 3, for example. Pitch Perfect 3 was the Bellas going, this a cappella group going out on a USO tour around the world. Um, and that's what they were doing domestically, but internationally they were just on a tour. <laughs> they were not on a, US, a USO tour. And it's not particularly, you know, that it's not that these countries dislike America or something. It's just that that's not necessarily a sell. Right. It's maybe just a little bit more noise to the narrative, just as something that would be unrelated to or less relatable to the audience. It's kind of like how you usually in trailers try to leave out, for example, like character names. If it's just not relevant, then just cut it. Yeah, and it's to the underoos point as well. It's these kind of references and things that may not be global and, and may not translate. And to that point, you get to things like um, the recent campaign for Men in Black International, which in itself was perhaps a response to, you know, the the film industry kind of moving more international, you know, instead of just kind of men in black being this American thing, all of a sudden it's, I think someone literally says in the trailer, now there are men in black officers in every country around the world. Uh, and it's to our earlier point from Independence Day as well, in Independence Day resurgence, they're not just blowing up the White House, they're like putting Dubai on top of London, you can be more international than that. Um, but the Men in Black domestic trailer very much hinged on the kind of nostalgia that you have about the franchise and you didn't need kind of reintroducing it and it had a bit of the theme to kind of get you in there and it was much more relying on a prior knowledge of that whereas internationally it had been a while since the last Men in Black film and so they just got Liam Neeson to narrate everything that you needed to know about like we are the guys who catch the aliens and we protect the earth from the scum of the universe with agents in every major city around the world. Some more decorated than others. And also you got to the hilarious bit where the Men in Black International trailer on YouTube was called the Men in Black International International trailer. <laughs> yes. But yeah, but I, as I said before, kind of when we were talking about um, video games, it'll be interesting to see where this goes um, because we're making more content for movies. And as we mentioned last time, you know, things are getting tailored to individuals and and you know copy runs all of a sudden in a couple of years might be more tailored towards you and and certainly to the country that you're in yeah so it'll be really interesting to see where it kind of goes and whether because of that 
proliferation of content out there whether things ended up actually having to look more similar so you haven't got a load of kind of disparate things out there that people can see and go hold on I, I thought this was an action movie but you're selling it to me as a romance you know right it's easier to to see what's going on with the ad campaign versus before say youtube when you would maybe only notice something like if you're watching tv spots for the same movie but different shows it's like oh why is this one romantic and this one's action-packed yeah but again i mean maybe that will only appeal to the very small percentage of uh, people who watch everything on youtube or right <laughs> um it was interesting there was a case of um someone who'd pieced together for i think the amazing spider-man 2 someone pieced together all the marketing materials and basically stitched together about 25 minutes of a movie. Oh my God. From between clips and trailers and things like that. Um, and obviously that's not how uh, you're supposed to be reading that content, but um, you certainly can if you have the time. And when things are scrutinized, you know, look at Star Wars, you know, the more Star Wars stuff you release. I think for episode seven, someone put together a supercut kind of trailer where there was about 10 minutes of material out there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of where things go from here. Um, okay, so that's our episode for this week. If you have questions, you can contact us at cutdown at idlethumbs.net. And we're on Twitter at cutdowncast. And I'm on Twitter at Derek underscore Lou. And I'm at Rick Thomas. We're part of the Idle Thumbs Network. And also, if you want to join the discussion, go to the Idle Thumbs forums at idlethumbs.net. And if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends. It really helps us grow the show. Yes, please. Maybe we can get more than six ratings. That would be great <laughs> if... Uh, if everyone could, uh, could at least give us a rating. Yeah, uh, we'd very much appreciate it. Uh, and also we want to give a thank you to our friends at Twisted Jukebox for our intro music. Next time we'll be talking about um, graphics and we'll um, have our first interview. Shall I say that? Yeah, I'll say that. Cross our fingers. Uh, next time we'll be talking about graphics in trailers. And um, although we kind of deal with it a lot, it, it's not necessarily a speciality of mine or Derek. So we're going to get someone in. We're hoping to get our first interview subject in to, to do a real deep dive on, um, on that. Yep. Well, we'll see you then. See you then. Thanks for listening. On the roof! <laughs>